All right, welcome to today's reading. We're going to be reading AA Big Book, page 281, the story called The Missing Link. Let's go ahead and pray the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right. Let's start. The missing link. He looked at everything as the cause of his unhappiness, except alcohol. When I was eight or nine years old, life suddenly became very difficult. Feelings began to emerge that I did not understand. Depression crept into my life as I started to feel alone. Even in a crowded, even in crowded rooms, in fact, life didn't make much sense to me at all. It's hard to say what sparked all of this. To pinpoint one fact or event that changed everything forever. The fact that the fact of the matter was I was miserable from early on in my life. It was all very confusing. I remember isolating on the playground, watching all the other children la- laughing and playing and smiling, not feeling like I could relate at all. I feel different. I didn't feel as if I was one of them. Somehow I thought I didn't fit in. My school marks soon reflected these feelings. My behavior and attitude seemed to become troublesome to everyone around me. I soon began spending more time in the principal's office than in the classroom. My parents perplexed by such unhappy son, by such an unhappy son began having difficulties. My house was soon filled with the sounds of arguments and yelling about how to handle me. I found that running away from home could supply me with some sort of temporary solace until, of course, the police would find me and bring me back to my house and my worried parents. About that time, I started seeing therapists and specialists, each with different theory and a different solution. They conducted special tests and interviews designed to get to the root of my troubles and came to the conclusion that I had a learning disability and was depressed. The psychiatrist told, started me on some medication and the problems in school started to clear up. Even some of the depression began to ease up for a bit. However, something still seemed fundamentally wrong. Past. Whatever the problem, I soon found what appeared to be the solution to everything. At age 15, I traveled with my family to Israel. My brother was to be bar mitzvah atop masada. There was no legal drinking age, so I found it quite easy to walk into a bar and order a drink. New Year's Eve fell in the middle of the trip, and since the Jewish calendar celebrates a different new year than the Gregorian calendar, the only celebration was being held in the American sector of a university. I got drunk for the first time that night. It changed everything. A stop at a local bar began that the evening. I ordered a beer from the waitress, and as I looked, took the first sip, Something was immediately different. I looked around me at the people drinking and dancing, smiling and laughing, all of whom were much older than I. Suddenly, I somehow felt I belonged. From there, I made my way to the university 
where I found hundreds of other Americans celebrating New Year's Eve. Before the night was over, I had started a fight with a number of college-age drunken fellows and returned to the hotel stinking drunk and riddled with bruises. Oh yes, what a grand evening it was. I fell in love that night with a beverage. Returning to the States, I was determined to continue with my newfound love affair. I found myself trying to convince my friends to join me, but I was met with resistance. Still determined, I set out to find new friends, friends who could help me maintain this fantastic solution to my most desperate problems. My escapade started in a weekend pursuit and progress into a daily obsession. At first, it took several beers to get me drunk. To my satisfaction, however, within three years, it took a fifth and a half of vodka, a bottle of wine, and several beers in an evening's time to satisfactorily black me out. I would obtain alcohol by any means necessary. That meant lying, stealing, and cheating. My motto was, if you felt like I did, you'll have to get drunk too. As the feelings of hopelessness and depression progressed, so did my drinking. Thoughts of suicide came more and more frequently. It felt as if things were never going to change. Progress with my therapist came to almost a complete halt. The hopelessness was compounded by the fact that one thing that was bringing me relief, that one thing I counted on to take the pain away was ultimately destroying me. The end I feared was close. Pass. My last semester in high school marked my bottom. It was everyday drinking then. Since I had already been accepted at college, I consciously decided to make that last semester one big party. But it was no fun at all. I was miserable. I graduated narrowly and took a job at a local garage. It was difficult to manage my drinking and a job since they were both full-time. But I connected all, I concocted all kinds of lies to ensure that nothing would interfere with my drinking. After being repeatedly reprimanded at work for being late in the morning, I made up a story to hide the fact that I was always hungover. I told my manager that I had cancer and needed to go to the doctor for treatment every morning. I would say whatever I needed to say to protect my drinking. More often, I was having these little moments of clarity. Times I knew for sure that I was an alcoholic. Times when I was looking at the bottom of my glass, asking myself, why am I doing this? Something had to give. Something had to change. I was suicidal, evaluating every part of my life for what could be wrong. It culminated in one last night of drinking and staring staring at the problem. It made me sick to think about it and even sicker to continue drinking it away. I was forced to look at my drinking as the chief suspect. The next day I went to work late as usual and all day long I could not stop thinking about this very real problem. I could go no further. What was happening to me? Therapy hadn't fixed my life. All those sessions, I was still miserable. I might as well just kill myself, drink my way into oblivion. And with one last desperate fight for a solution, I reviewed my life. 
searching for the missing link. Had I left out some crucial bit of inter- information that would lead to a breakthrough, making it possible for life to become just a little bit more bearable? No, there was nothing. Except, of course, my drinking. The next morning, I went to see my therapist. I told him I decided to quit therapy because after eight years, it wasn't working. But I I decided to tell him how I had been searching through my life for that missing link. And I had come up with only one thing I had never told him, that I drank. He began asking me questions. He asked me about quantities, frequency, what I drank. Before he was even halfway through, I broke down and began sobbing. I cried. Do you think I have a problem with drinking? He replied, I think that is quite obvious. That I then asked, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And he answered, you are going to have to find out for yourself. He pulled a list of Alcoholic Anonymous meetings out of his desk drawer, and he had already highlighted the young people's meetings. He told me to go home and not drink at all. For the rest of the day, he would call me at 9 p.m. and wanted to hear that I hadn't taken a drink. It was rough, but I went home, locked myself in my room, sweating it out until he called. He asked if I had drink. I told him I had not and asked what I should do next. He told me to do the same thing to tomorrow, except tomorrow I should also go to the first meeting on the list he had highlighted. The next day, I went to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was 18 years old. In the parking lot, I sat in the car for about 15 minutes before the meeting started, trying to work up the courage to go in and face myself. I remember finally working up the nerve to open up the door and get out, only to close the door, dismissing the notion of going into the meeting as ridiculous. This dance of indecisiveness went on about 50 minutes times before I went in. Had I not gone in, I believe I would not be alive today. The room was very smoky and filled with apparently happy people. Finding a seat in the back, I sat down and tried to make sense of the format. When the chairperson asked if there were any newcomers present, I looked around and saw some hands go up. But I certainly wasn't ready to raise my hand and draw attention to myself. The meeting broke up into several groups, and I followed one group down the hall and took a seat. They opened a book and read a chapter titled the Step 7. After reading, they went around the table for comments, and for the first time in my life, I found myself surrounded by people I could really relate to with. I no longer felt as if I was a total misfit, because here was a room full of people who felt precisely as I did. And a major weight had been lifted. I had happened to be in the last chair around the table to to speak and confused by the reading. All I could say was, what the heck are shortcomings? A couple of members realizing I was there for my first meeting took me downstairs and sat down with me and outlined the program. I can recall every little of what, very little of what was said. I remember telling these members that this program they outlined sounded like just what I needed. But I didn't think I could stay sober for the rest of my life. 
exactly how was I supposed to not drink if my girlfriend breaks up with me or if my best friend dies or even through happy times like graduations, weddings, and birthdays. They suggested I could just stay sober one day at a time. They explained that it might be easier to set my sights on 24 hours in front of me and to take these take on these other situations when and if they ever arrive. I decided to give sobriety a try one day at a time, and I've done it the, that way ever since. When I entered the Alcoholics Anonymous, I have done some damage physically. I had done a bouquet of mental quirks, and I was spiritually bankrupt. I knew I was powerless over alcohol, and that I needed to open, open-minded toward that, what people suggested for recovery. However, when it came down to spirituality, I fought it nearly every step of the way. Although raised in an, in an ethnic and religious Jewish household, I was agnostic and very resistant to anyone and anything that I perceived to be imposing religious beliefs. To my surprise, Alcoholics Anonymous suggested something different. The idea that religion and spirituality were not one and the same was a new notion. My sponsor asked that I merely remain open-minded to the possibility that there was a higher power, or there was a power greater than myself. One of my own understanding, he assured me that no person was going to impose a belief system on me. The fact that, that it was a personal matter, reluctantly I opened my mind to the fact that maybe, just maybe, there was something to this spiritual lifestyle. Slowly but surely, I realized that there was indeed a power greater than myself. And I soon found myself with a full-time God in my life and following a spiritual path that didn't conflict with my personal religious convictions. Past. Following this spiritual path made a major difference in my life. It seems to fill the lonely hole that I used to fill with alcohol. My self-esteem improved dramatically, and I knew happiness and serenity as I had never known it before. I started to see the beauty and usefulness in my own existence and tried to express my gratitude through helping others in whatever ways I could. A confidence and fate entered my life and unraveled a plan for me that was bigger and better than I could have ever imagined. It wasn't easy and it has never been easy, but it gets so much better. Since that first meeting, my life has changed completely. Three months into the program, I started college. While many of my college classmates were experimenting with alcohol for the first time, I was off at meetings and AA get-togethers, becoming active in service work, and developing relationships with God, family, friends, and loved ones. I rarely thought twice about this. It was what I wanted and needed to do. Over the last seven years, nearly everything I thought I could not stay sober through has happened. Indeed, sobriety and life are full of ups and downs. Occasionally, depression can creep back into my life and requires outside help. However, this present...
Over the last seven years, nearly everything I thought I could not stay sober through has happened. Indeed, sobriety and life are full of ups and downs. Occasionally, depression can creep back into my life and requires outside help. However, this program has provided me with the tools to stay sober through the death of my best friend, failed relationships, and good times like birthdays, weddings, and graduations. Life is exponentially better than it ever was before. I'm living out the life I used to fantasize about, and I have a whole lot of work still in front of me. I have hope to share and love to give, and I just keep going one day at a time, living this adventurous, this adventure called life. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, wonderful story. Um, that was a very nice story. Amen. Um, what what points uh, come out easily? What what do you remember on the reading right now? The fact that he can never that, that he was never happy from the beginning. Oh, that's right. As a kid, yeah. And I remember being feeling like that even as I started kindergarten, and I never played with the kids. I always found a reason to make myself go home. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, like coming in for the Mexican household. You don't say that to your parents. You tell that to your parents. They tell you, "Nah, get over it." You know. Right. Right. I was like that all through elementary, always having a hard time. Yeah, that resonated with me a lot. Yep, I I ran away at five years old, and I ran away, ran away, and finally I ran away at 16. I left. I went to go work. Um, it's strange. The, uh, you know, let, let's take another different, uh, what about it if you have a, a, a school that's talking 12-step program? Uh, I always thought about having a school that has from kindergarten all the way to high school, nothing but the 12-step program. How how would kids turn out? <laughs> yeah, I have no clue, man. <laughs> well, that, that's a pretty good thought, you know, too. And there probably are out there, you know. People have gotten together and put a curriculum together that's based on... Uh, on all the things, uh, basic needs that people need. People need proper literature. They need uh, singing. They need, you know, and, and community to feel complete. And spirituality, of course. One of the things that I, I tend to have a hard time is separating the two from uh, my understanding of God. And I, I push it too much on people. You know, and the idea is that the, all the book says is that the whole book is to make you find a power greater than yourself. The book is designed to help us understand how we understand God. And then from there, the solutions start to materialize uh, in the right perspective. So I'm still growing and learning and making, uh, you know, Progress through uh, through failure. I make progress through failure because <laughs> we keep on. Going. That's, a, that's a good way. That's a good way to put it because you don't learn everything unless anything whatsoever if you don't fail. You know. <laughs> yeah, first time I heard it. Progress through failure. Keep no, that's a good way because literally, like I failed, and that's where I'm, why I'm at where I'm at now. You know, and like I said, I stopped drinking way before I got this ankle monitor on me. So. Amen, amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today. You you earned uh, a star on that 
their report card, and uh, it helps me too. So God bless you. Let's go ahead and pray out uh, with the uh, the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Our Father, Our Father Lord in, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Keep coming back, family. It's working.